Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Today, our scripture comes from the book of Hosea, one of the Old Testament prophetic books, chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. This is Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So God, we pray for your goodness. We pray for your peace, your truth. We pray for your spirit and the reality of hope, Lord, to enter into our hearts and our lives right now. Lord, meet us here. Meet us right here in the middle. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So one of my uh, favorite uh, television shows is a show um, called Parks and Rec. I don't know if you all have seen. There's at least one Parks and Rec fan here. The uh, Nick Bailey, I love you, man. It's like, yes. Like, so here's the great thing about like Nick, it's like The Office, he's like, yeah, I'm in. Parks and Rec, yeah, I'm in. Any of these references. Uh, when, I, when I talked about Parks and Rec in the first service, I got a lot of dead uh, looks on my face. They were alive, but they just looked uh, kind of like, well, I don't know what in the world <laughs> talking about this. But like, um, so uh, Parks and Rec, where was I? Oh, I was digging myself a hole. That reminds me of Parks and Rec. Because it's a story, um, in there there's a character by the name of Andy. Now Andy is played by Chris Pratt, and Andy's kind of this lovable loser in the, in the story. And so when we meet him, he's engaged to a woman named Anne, and he does nothing all day, and she realizes that he does nothing all day, and that he's not moving himself forward, and so um, she, says, uh, she says, we're done, and you got to move out of the house. So what does he do? He moves out. And he moves all the way to the lot next door where they were doing some construction work that had never been completed. And he found himself living in the bottom of this pit. And he was in the pit and he could see what his life used to be like. Where Anne lived and and where his home was. It reminds me of a 90s country song, That Ain't My Truck. Right? Some of you may see, some of you are like, yeah, I don't know Parks and Rec, but that ain't my truck, right? That's my girl, my whole world, but that ain't my truck. And so here he finds himself in the pit, in the low place, in, in this way in which he wants to get out, but he doesn't know how to get out, and he doesn't even know where he's going. Now, as the a, as a story progresses, Andy matures, and he begins to have, a, he was always in a band, but his band got a little bit better as time went on. He was in a band called Mouse Rat, which is a terrible name for a band, which I'm pretty sure is the whole point of it. But they had a hit song, at least a hit song to me. It was one of those songs that just kind of stayed with me, 
right? Even though it's not any good, you all probably have songs like that. Maybe you're even thinking of one right now. You're so welcome um, for that in your head the rest of the day. But he, they wrote a song, Mouse Rat, called The Pit. And, and in there, he, he goes like this. He says, I am in the pit. You are in the pit. We fell in the pit. That's like the whole song, pretty much. All right? The pit. I mean, like, it's it. that's it. Um, and it was like, to me, and now this is where my life gets weird. Because for me, nothing is ever simple in my head. And I'm like, that is a profound theological statement. <laughs> I am in the pit. You are in the pit. We fell into the pit. This is the story of humanity. The pit. You've been there. Some of you may be there. You've been at this place of desperation, this place of darkness, this place of uncertainty, this place in which you don't know how you're going to get out of it. You've got a diagnosis and it just has overcome your whole world. A relationship has shattered and you're not sure what to do about it. Your emotions are overwhelming and something that happened years ago has come to the surface. And you, you just feel that the walls are all around you and you do not know how to get out. And you can see your future. You're like Andy. You can see the house that you used to be in and you think, if I could only get back there, maybe there is hope. But you don't know how to get out of it. And if you've ever felt like you're in the pit, if you're in the pit, and one day you're going to be in the pit, then the Bible gives us so much hope. Because it's a story of people like you and I who are in the pit. Now, the Old Testament, all right, is really a story of Israel, which is God's chosen people, and their constant failures. Constantly. So this is the story of the Old Testament. I want you to read it, but in case you haven't read it, let me tell you. God chose, God created the world, it was wonderful, and it was good. And, and, and then humans messed it up. And so he invited them back into a relationship. And, then, and so they followed and they were close to God for a while, but then the humans messed it up. And so then God went to rescue them again and lead them. He gave them a prophet. He, he gave them his word and humans fell away again. So God came back. This is a story again and again. Humans' failures, God enters in and intervenes again and again and again and again. Now, one of the ways that God wanted us to be able to see and understand that, we find in the book of Hosea. It's a really interesting book in our Old Testament because it's really this prophetic symbol. It's this living illustration of what it's like to be God and what it's like for him to love the people of Israel. And so what he does is he tells the prophet Hosea, he says, I want you to go to the other side of town. And I want you to, to marry somebody of ill repute. Let's put it that way. So he does that. He goes to the other side of town. He marries this, this woman named Gomer. And he comes and they have a family together. They have three kids. And, and seemingly you would think that Gomer would like her life of stability, like her life of being near a righteous prophet, would like her life of being faithful. But instead... She returns back to the other side of town and returns back to the activities that, that she was engaged in before. And what does God tell Hosea to do? He tells her, go. Go get her out of the mud. Go get her out of the, putt, the, the pit and bring her back home. He says, because this is what I do with you as Israelites. This is what I do with you as people. As I go out... And I bring you in. Did you notice our scripture today? It says, therefore, I am now going to allure her 
I will lead her into the wilderness. I will speak tenderly to her. And then there's this great scripture that we have. It says, there I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. Now, this uh, Accor, this, this uh, it sounds like ache, right? The valley of aches and pains. Uh, another way that this is translated is the valley of trouble. Have you been there before? The valley of trouble and some of you may even say, yeah, and a landslide is coming down. And it aches, and there's pain in the midst of it. And what God promises here is that in the valley, in this deep, dark place, there is where he's going to open up doors of hope. In this valley of Accor and in this valley of trouble, here is where you are going to find doors of hope that you can walk in and you can walk through. That it's possible that no matter where you are right now is that there is a way to be able to move from there to the place and to the person and in the way that God would want you to do. Is that he wants to open up these doors of hope. And so over the, next, the course of the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about hope and how do we have tangible hope. What does it mean, the Christian idea of hope, and how do we move forward with hope? Because I really believe that, that this is one of the most important things that people are looking for. We need hope. We need to know what it is. But before we know what it is, let's talk about what it isn't. Here's what hope, first thing we need to know, is that hope doesn't go backwards. Hope doesn't go backwards. It can't go back to the way that it was. You know, I mean, when we were in the valley of COVID trouble, we all wanted everything to get back to normal. But there was no normal to get back to. There, there was only a new normal. There wasn't an old normal. We wanted to get back there, but hope doesn't go backwards. You can't go back to where you were. You can't unring the bell. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. You can't unsay the things that have been said. Hope doesn't go backwards. Now, oftentimes, and this is what Andy wanted. He wanted to go back to Ann's house. He wanted to go back to where he came from if everything could be that simple. But that's not the way that it goes. Hope instead moves forward. It's not about us getting out of the valley of trouble. It's about us getting through the valley of trouble. Think about that Psalm 23 that undoubtedly you've heard at a funeral. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That this is part of the journey. It's not about saying, oh, we got to get out. But instead, we've got to get through it. And so part of what happens with hope is that we do not move backwards, but instead we have to move forward. And in order to heal it, you have to feel it. And sometimes we are so pain avoidant as people that the reason why we cannot move forward is because we do not want to experience the pain that can happen with growth and transformation. No pain, no gain, they've said. And the same is true sometimes in our life. We have to go through the difficulty in order to get to the desire. Now, the next thing that hope isn't, and this is going to disappoint some of you, is that hope isn't an outcome. This is so often what we think about when we think about hope, is that we have an outcome that we've already determined in our mind that this is what I am hoping for. And in fact, so much of how I think we use the word hope, we use it completely wrong. So much of how we use the word hope is actually like a wish or a preference, right? So like... I'm a 49ers fan. They play the Falcons today. I hope they win. 
No, I prefer them to win. I wish that they would win. I think it's more likely that they'll win, but that's not like I'm not staking my life on the 49ers winning. There's nothing I can do about that, right? But, but that's what we, we think, right? Uh, we, we hope to get a close parking spot at Walmart. No, that's a wish. You can wish for it all you want. You can blow out your candles and you can wish for something, but that's not what biblical Christian hope is about because whenever we make it about an outcome then we can succumb to the idolatry of control that we think okay I am uh, this is going to happen and this is the only thing that's going to happen so I have to do all of these things to assure that this happens and you can't control all of these things you know what's fascinating to me is that we have the um Fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And anytime I've talked about the fruits of the Spirit with people, they're like, man, I really struggle with the patience one and the self-control one. Again and again. These two. All right? Um, And so then what I just thought about is we struggle with self-control, yet we think we can control everything else. We're going to talk more about it here um in in a few weeks it's going to be a fun sermon for some of us um uh, because i mean look here's the thing is i know some of you don't think that you're a control freak but there are some of you who because oh you won and you wore that shirt yesterday you're going to wear that shirt again next saturday and you tell me you don't have a control issue All right, we're moving on. <laughs> Hope isn't an outcome. In the biblical sense and in the Christian sense, hope is about redemption. It's about redeeming our troubles so that we can get to a new place, so that we can move forward ahead. It's about what God is going to do with the valley of trouble so that we can move ahead. So here's my definition of hope for today, is that hope is trusting in God's redemptive power So that tomorrow can be better than today as we walk with Jesus. Hope is trusting that the God who has done it before will do it again. And that tomorrow can be better than today because we are walking step by step with Jesus. It's the belief and the hope, not in what we can do by ourselves, but in what God has done and what God is inviting us to participate. You see, there's often times in life in which we step back and we think, Okay, I I get really, really worried sometimes about some of the big stuff that happens in in this life. And and I get concerned and I'm anxious about what they may do out there and things that I have no control over. And, And I neglect the things that I have control, not really control, but I have the ability to influence. And I'm able to walk in that way. So it's really about trusting that the God who has done it before can take this pain can take this sorrow, can take this pit, and can make something even better than you can imagine today. In fact, I would wager, but I'm not supposed to wager, so let me say it this way. Um, I would guess that if I was to ask you to come up here and I'd say, tell me about a dark time in your life that God has redeemed for good and light that probably almost every person in this room could say there was at one time Or there was a few times when this thing happened and it was terrible, but it gave me lessons 
It made me into the person that I am today. It actually created stronger bonds. And so the God who did it before can redeem those dark moments, and he can redeem this moment that you and I are in. Because here's the truth. You and I are not promised preferable outcomes or painless endeavors. We're not promised those things scripturally. Instead, what we are promised is God's presence and God's direction. We are promised that God will be with us. Again, go back to Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus, some of his last words to his disciples will say, and lo, I don't know why he was talking to lo, but he said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And God will make a way. What we see in the Old Testament with the story of the Exodus is that God led them along the way. There was, um, there was a cloud that led during the day, right? And a fire that led during the night so that they knew what the next step would be. And so if you find yourself in this valley of trouble, you find yourself in the valley of a core, you're not alone. God is with you in the midst of that. And he wants to lead to take that, redeem that, not for you to escape it, not for you to erase your troubles, but to redeem them. This is who God is, and this is what he does best. And so what we're going to be doing over the course of the next few weeks is we're going to be looking at some of the keys that will unlock the doors of hope. What are the keys that unlock the doors of hope so that you and I can experience true, good, amazing hope? So one of the keys is surrender. Y'all love this, I know. Surrender is, submit, is submission to God's will instead of our own will. And so we're going to talk about what does it mean for us to really, really surrender our will, our way to God's will. This is so hard. Again, because so often we have an outcome in mind and we're going to do everything that we can to pursue that outcome. Or we have something that we're fixated on that we want to continue to do. And what we have to do is we have to say, no, 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 no. It's not about my will, but it's yours be done, Lord. I mean, this is Jesus' prayer in the garden right before he gave his life up. He said, not my will, but yours be done. He surrendered what he wanted for what God wanted, and that's what we have to do. Now, my dad taught me a phrase, and a lot of you know my dad was a pastor, and he taught me the phrase, holy indifferent. And he said, Aaron, when you come to a decision, particularly as a church, he said, I want you to walk into that door and, and, and let's be wholly indifferent to the outcome, to the direction to really let God lead it, to surrender our will and to surrender that to what God is doing. And as I think about the, the decisions that we'll have before us as a, as a church, as it relates to denominational affiliation and what we do moving forward, my prayer is that we come in as wholly indifferent, saying, God, I believe you're moving. Would you just lead us and call us to the next faithful step? It's about not saying, I've got to have my way. If things don't go my way, I'll leave the church. Y'all, I'm going to say right now. I wasn't planning on doing this. I didn't say it in the first service. So I'll say it here. I may need to hear it too, but. <laughs> we don't. There is no perfect church. Y'all are going to disagree with my theology. I'm going to disagree with your all's theology. You're going to disagree with the theology around the people here. And I don't know where God is calling every person to be at every church at every particular time. I just want people to be where God wants them to be. I've said that a hundred times. I'll keep saying it. I don't know. 
But if you don't get your way and you leave the church, maybe that's a faithful thing. But you better make sure you've surrendered to God's will. It may be the faithful thing. Not every church is right for every person at every time. But if it's simply because my will didn't get done, that doesn't seem right to me. That doesn't seem right to me either. So my commitment to each and every one of us as we move forward is to surrender my will and to let's walk together in holiness. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, church is not all about what we believe in a book. It's about what happens up here. And you know, last week what I saw was what we needed as a church. Because what happened up here last week is that people came forward, so many people came forward because they're in pain. And, it, and I pray that God's spirit was poured out on people and they received healing, sometimes physical healing, sometimes emotional healing, sometimes spiritual healing. But that's what people need. And they need us to be, this community needs us to be as strong as possible because there are so many of us and so many people in our neighborhoods that are in the valley of trouble and despair. And they need us to be as strong and united. We are not all going to agree. But I want to be a part of the kind of church that is healing and where people surrender and say, Lord, I can't, but you can. And let's journey together. Like I said, I wasn't planning on doing that, so I apologize. So let's just move on. All right, agency. Now somebody asked, so the second key is agency. Now, uh, funny thing, somebody said after the first service, they said, agency. I'm going to have to look that word up because the way you use it is not the way that I've understood it. Like State Farm agent, right? But agency is the idea that um, you and I cannot control things. We love to think that we can, but agency is what we have. Is that you have the ability to influence yourself others and situations so I can't control you I can't convince you I can't do all these things I can't even control or convince myself sometimes but I do have agency that I can participate in something I can't have hope unless I can participate actively in it which is why you wear the OU sweatshirt that you wore last week because you want to participate in it and you and I have agency. Now, oftentimes, what we are worried about is what we cannot control or what we do not have agency for, when we do have agency in strong ways. I mean, one of the easiest ways to look at it is we all vote for a president. And in Oklahoma, even if we all agreed in this room, which we aren't going to all agree in this room about who to vote for at the next president, right? If we all agreed in this room and we all said, all right, we're all going to vote for that person, it wouldn't make any difference. We know that. But it matters who you vote for for school board. It matters who you vote for for your local legislators. And I want to tell you a cool story. So one of my, um, one of my friends in town, his name's Doug Eckert, um, Doug and his wife Jennifer, um, they're both very passionate about prison ministry in our community and, and, so, and, and in our state. And so they, um, they were sitting down with Brian Hill, who's our state rep, and, and they were having a conversation with some others around a dinner table about what can we do to help people get out of prison. Now, the key thing for people who get out of prison so they don't go back is hope, particularly tangible hope. What do they need? They need a job. 
And so there's been some good work by our legislature, in my opinion, um, that, that has enabled people to be able to get their certificates and other stuff they need so that when they walk out, they have the paperwork that they need to apply for and get jobs coming out. But then Doug was sitting around this dinner table and he said, agency, I can't control everything, but what can I do to influence agency? And so he said, what would it be possible to allow employers to interview people while they were still in prison so they walked out not only with their certifications, but a job? Brian said, well, probably. So he did his thing and legislature did their thing, governor did their thing, and all of a sudden, last week, there was a bill that was signed that allows for companies to interview people so that they can walk out of prison, not only with their paperwork, but with a job. Now, this is the way that agency works. Doug said a word, and then other people did their part, and it contributed all the way up. You see, this is what it works with. In order for us to have hope, we, we, we need to do what we can do, and, and other people can do what they can do, and that we have to focus on that, that you have a part to play in it. Generosity. Another key to hope is generosity. Generosity is good actions for the sake of others. It's doing those things and being these kinds of people. And so often when we're in the valley of trouble, when we're in the valley of despair, um, is that we, we cannot see out because all we can see, like sometimes the valley of despair feels like the, that mirror maze that you go to. And all you can see is yourself and that little kid who's having fun back there. <laughs> so generosity allows us to get our head up and be able to do good and to see good and to remind ourselves of goodness out in the world and that we can participate and to be a part of that. And so one of the keys to hope is to be a generous person. Another key to hope is pathways. Now, pathways are redemptive roadmaps forward. Again, God's going to take this, and he's going to use it to open up a door of hope. And so oftentimes what we, need, what we want is we want to see the whole journey ahead of us. We want to see it like the old days when we got MapQuest and we printed out all these directions, right? We want to know exactly what to do, but that's not the way that God works on pathways. Oftentimes with pathways, God will give us the first step. That's it. If you're lucky, he'll give you step two and three. Every once in a while, he'll say, you're going to get to Z, and here's step A. And he invites us to only take the next faithful step. This is what you and I are called to do, is to take the next faithful step. But we need to see that there is a way out from the pit, and there's a way up and through to where we're going. And so we look for ways ahead. They need to be able to see it. We need to be able to see it. And the next key to hope is gratitude. And this kind of ties along with generosity. Because gratitude is noticing and naming good. So we need to be able to see the good that's in the world. It's easy for us to see the negative. It's easy for us to see those things that bring us down and draw us down. But we need to notice we need to name good that is happening around us. Because then we begin to see it again and again and again. Now the good news is that this journey that we're going on is not a self-help journey. It's a Jesus journey. And we can go on it because of what God has done for us. I mean, one of the things that I love about baptism, particularly immersion baptism, is that somebody goes down into the depths. And then they come up as a new person. Because this is the model of what God has done for us in Jesus. 
is that he has gone down into the depths. He came from heaven to earth to show the way, right? And that here is how he lives and moves, is he entered into the mud and the midst. And I think about this great hymn called How Marvelous. And it says, he took our sin and our sorrow and he made them his very own. And he bore the burden to Calvary to suffer and die alone. I mean, so this is how Jesus operates, is that he entered into the pit to redeem us. He died at Golgotha, the place of the skull, the place of death, so that you and I, when we find ourselves at death, can know that resurrection follows death. This is how God works and how God moves. And so you are not alone in the midst of it. Jesus is with you, and Jesus is making a way. I can't promise what your outcome would be. I wish I could tell you. All your problems will be solved just the way you want them to be. But I can tell you something better. You will never be alone. And what God has on the other side of your valley, both here on earth and after earth, is better than you can even imagine. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.